This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution. This is a mini seminar which will add tools to your mediation toolbox. We're brought to you by Lawyers Pacific Insurance Brokerage, the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals, and ADR Services, Inc. We are very uh, fortunate today uh, to have Myra Fornos. Uh, and Myra um, will be doing something that uh, is a little different uh, for, from uh, the first season. This is the beginning of the second season. And in that first season, we've been talking with mediators who possess a high level of process expertise, as does Myra, and who have shared that expertise with you with the idea of helping you become more effective, whatever your role may be in the mediation process. Now, many, if not all of our guests also have specific subject matter expertise either acquired in their careers as jurists, litigators, or developed as they mediated cases. However, our discussions on this podcast have not specifically focused on those substantive areas or subject matter expertise until now. As we begin our second season of Masters of Dispute Resolution, we will be addressing unique skills and approaches either in substantive areas such as employment, construction, or family law, or as we will today, explore the unique aspects of mediation which apply to disputes in which specialized knowledge can make a real difference. Myra Fornos, who will be joining us, is going to provide insights on effective mediation of cases involving catastrophic injuries. Now, Myra is uh, a very accomplished litigator and trial attorney uh, for th with three decades of experience in handling a wide range of civil matters with expertise in the field of catastrophic personal injury, including spinal cord injuries. And Myra's experience, uh, both professional and personal, has led her to become a very effective neutral in the field and uh, of dispute resolution, and specifically uh, dealing with spinal cord injuries and catas other catastrophic types of injuries. Myra takes a deep dive into the facts of every case and has been successful in parlaying her very, very uh, keen legal acumen and her empathetic mindset, uh, and also 
innate per, imperson, interpersonal skills to reach fair and judicious outcomes, regardless of the complexity uh, or difficulty of the case. I met Myra years ago and about 15, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Myra, uh, when, I, when I mediated a, a, a case uh, involving a catastrophic injury, a spinal cord injury, and um, Myra impressed me with so many aspects of her advocacy. Uh, I, I was really thrilled that Myra joined ADR services and uh, brought that expertise uh, to share with the world. Uh, Myra also, by the way, has been listed in the best lawyers in America since 2011, a super lawyer since 2012, and was named one of the top 50 women attorneys in Southern California. Myra, thank you very much for joining us today. And um, great to have you. Thank you, Len. And it's I'm really honored to participate in um, today's uh, podcast. And I thank you profusely for including me in this amazing endeavor that you're pursuing. And also thank Lucy Barron and ADR Services for supporting uh, this platform and also all the uh, sponsors that uh, hopefully you are going to continue to to get in the future uh, because this is like I told you when you first asked me uh, to uh, participate in, in one of your podcasts that I believe it is so necessary. Uh, we have so many webinars, podcasts, helping uh, attorneys from both sides to become better trial lawyers, to become uh, better at taking depositions and arguing motions, etc. But I don't believe we have any that really focus on what you're doing, and that is to get masters in the dispute resolution arena to come out and, and help counsel out there to become better advocates during a mediation, which as we know, is very different than going to trial or, or litigating a case. So right. thank you. And, 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 and Mara, look, it, it is it, making the transition uh, as you have from advocate to neutral. Uh, you've experienced a great, uh, a great deal of, of the differences in the, in the roles. And uh, what do you see as the greatest difference between your advocacy and that uh, you bring to the table as a neutral? That's a wonderful question because that's something that I would like to actually inform all counsel out there that it doesn't only apply as a mediator, uh, the changes, but also the scenario and the environment of mediation. So as a litigator and trial attorney, you're out there with your boxing gloves on, shining them up for the next fight, for the next hearing, for the next depot, for the next trial. You come out with your guns drawn, so to speak, where that's great advocacy. You are really truly being a zealous advocacy advocate as a uh, you undertook when you uh, passed the bar and, and you took that oath. But the advocacy in mediation is very different, both for counsel and for the mediator. Um, for uh, both of us, you need to come in with an 
open spirit with you know the the want to collaborate with the other side the understanding that you're going to have to make concessions with the understanding that you need to cooperate and that you can't expect to get everything that you want and for a mediator um you know it's been wonderful to drop those boxing gloves take them off and to just put the spirit of being a peacemaker of to help reconcile cases to help bring the parties close and to find commonality uh, amongst everyone because ultimately it's in the best interest of everyone to resolve the dispute and the mediation process is the best available out there and the the idea of resolution and not going to trial i i would think is even more pronounced when you're dealing with catastrophic injuries um and so let, let's let's start with this what is what makes a case a catastrophic injury case well it's the injury the injury the injury is uh usually a very devastating injury um, that uh, you end up with paralysis or a traumatic brain injury or a loss of limb. And most of the times, those injuries are permanent in nature. And it's a new way of living life that needs to be accommodated for. Um, and so that's why these cases are so contested many of the times litigated uh, to the T uh, because they're high risk, they're high dollars. We're not talking about 40,000, 100, 200, 500,000. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars to uh, try to make the plaintiff whole again. And so it requires a lot of understanding, not only from plaintiff's counsel about the injuries that their client has sustained, but from defense counsel and the adjusters to understand what they're really dealing with and to truly understand the injury. Because I have seen in many cases, even plaintiff's counsels do not understand the difference of a paraplegic and a quadriplegic. And it's like a complete different injury with complete different consequences and issues and problems and so forth. Right. Um, same with brain, brain traumatic brain injuries. What type of brain injury did your client sustain? Um, a lot of attorneys come in just thinking as a traumatic brain injury and really not focusing on where that injury in the brain took place and how it affects that person for the rest of their lives. Um, we are uh, on Masters of Dispute Resolution on Podclips, and our guest is Myra Fornos. Uh, Myra is going to, when we get back, give us a little bit of uh, her background uh, that gives her a very unique perspective on traumatic injury, and uh, we will be back soon. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. 
They're professional liability experts. Shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest-rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to LawyerSpecific.com and click Request a Quote. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy, and my guest is Myra Fornos. Uh, We are chatting about catastrophic injuries and the mediation of those cases. Uh, And when we broke, uh, just before we broke, I I mentioned, Myra, you have a background in, uh, personal background in uh, catastrophic injury and how that affects people's lives. Can you please give us an, an, an idea as to what that is all about? And that's correct, uh, Len. Um, so many, many years ago, I, I married my high school sweetheart, Ralph. And very shortly, months after we were married, he was involved in a tragic accident that uh, sustaining a C5-6 spinal cord injury. And uh, he was rendered a quadriplegic. So. Um, I took care of him, so to speak, for 23 years, and uh, he was an amazing human being. He was pre-law prior to his accident, and um, after he adjusted somewhat after his accident, he went to law school and kind of talked me into going to law school to change the world for the disabled community. And so uh, law school was very challenging for him. Uh, He had a lot of limitations, but um, after we both graduated and we opened a little law firm, little did we know, and this is before the internet, that we would have people from all over the state of California that had been injured coming to us for representation. And it was like, what? We don't even know what we're doing. We had just hung up our shingles. So we started bringing in like really big trial guns to come help us with the cases. And... um, So they range from anywhere from spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, loss of limb, and even cerebral palsy uh, uh, birth injuries. And and so we decided we had to learn a lot about, you know, these types of injuries and how it affected not only the person, but their families. And we did, we immersed ourselves with learning every iota of, you you know, just swallowing up all the information that came along. Uh, with those types of injuries and and the needs uh, for those people and their families. And so as a result, we were asked to speak at numerous uh, medical medical and legal uh, conventions on uh, these types of injuries and also uh, at hospitals at Rancho Los Amigos. I have an ongoing law and resource day, uh, letting individuals that have been injured their legal rights, but at the same time, helping like for instance the hospitals and and the people who are getting sued by these people um, how to you know deal with these types of cases so from that we have I have my my husband Ralph passed away uh, a while ago and um, I have continued to work in these platforms and also for a wonderful um, expo called the Abilities Expo uh, that comes around to LA once a year that I really want to talk about later. Right. Um, You've also formed a, a 501c3 uh, charitable that, organization. 
That's right. And um, I found it out in, that in 2008, in memory of my late husband, Ralph, and it's called Ralph's Writers Foundation. Mm -hmm. And it helps individuals with spinal cord injury and other paralysis uh, to rebuild their lives after their injury or a medical condition and right. help them. Yeah. One of the things that, and let's getting to the, uh, the idea of handling a case involving a catastrophic injury. Um, you addressed that in part in, in a very uh, a wonderful article in the September 2021 Advocate uh, magazine, uh, Mediating the Catastrophic Injury uh, Case uh, uh, article. And in that article, there was this quote, it is best to identify a mediator who will understand not only the liability and causation issues, but one who will also understand the complex and multi-levels of damages and of great importance, the prospect of additional damages in the future. Now, in our discussion, I, I would like to, going forward, keep this quote in mind as you as we delve deeper into why it is important that the mediator possess these levels of understanding. And, uh, but for now, can you generally expand on why these attributes are especially important in a catastrophic injury case? Uh, yes, a catastrophic injury case is not just, it doesn't just consist of the initial catastrophic injury the paralysis, the brain injury, the loss of limb. But there are future catastrophic injuries that flow from the original injury. For example, okay, so I, uh, let's use my late husband. Um, he was a quadriplegic. Uh, there were times where from after being in a chair for many years or even after one year, uh, the susceptibility of getting a pressure sore pressure sores can be devastating. They can be life-threatening. And they can, you know, you may need to have flap surgery or, or a number of surgeries that are very dangerous. Um, and a lot of times that's just glossed over by the attorneys, just glossed over without really explaining what that means to that patient and to that family. Another thing is, let's say for um, paraplegics and quadriplegics that don't have bowel or uh, bladder control, the bladder many times shrinks from a capacity of 300 cc's to maybe 30 cc's. So if they have to do intermittent catheter, if they have a suprapubic catheter, that catheter, that bladder has is, is so tiny that after years it becomes so tiny that every time they insert the catheter or the suprapubic pubic catheter that's inside of them. It rubs against the walls. It causes infection. It causes bleeding. It causes um, spasticity. It is devastating to these individuals. Um, a lot of times, you know, you have what's called hyperdysreflexia in quadriplegics. And what that means is that if they have to go to the restroom or if they have to have a, a, a bowel program, for example, and these are very sensitive things to talk about online, right? But it's, it's reality. Um, and their brain now cannot send the message down to empty your bowels, empty your bladder. It comes right back up, you know? It, it, it just, it gets blocked off 
in the level of injury, it returns back to the brain. And so what happens is in quadriplegics, you get uh, extreme high blood pressure where the, the individual can stroke out. It can cause like sweating, bubbles of sweat on one side of the forehead. It is devastating. It causes the blood, uh, the blood pressure to rise very high and the pulse to low, to get very low that can be life-threatening. All those things need to be understood by the trier of fact, by the mediator, by both sides. And I really think that um, this is not done correctly by, by lawyers because they just kind of just say, they're gonna have hyperdysreflexia. They're gonna have, you know, blood pressure source, but they don't really paint the picture of how that affects. How is the, what is the most effective way of painting that picture? All right, so we all know about day in the life videos that are very, very effective showing the, the, the individual first walking, playing sports, doing all that, and then in a wheelchair or with a traumatic injury or with a loss of limb. Those are very effective. But what I really advocate for that I used at my practice when I was litigating and that I haven't seen done yet, and I hope people take this into consideration, is to have a day in the future life of the client, okay? A year after this, the, the accident, five years, 15 years, 20, 25 years. Showing the what happens to the skin, graphic pictures, showing graphic pictures and videos of the skin thinning because of lack of circulation and breaking down and, and, and what that does and how it puts the person in bed without being able to move, you know, having to be shifted every two hours or whatever, even half, half hour, showing in graphic video and pictures how that bladder shrinks and what happens when the intermittent catheter catheterization is done or when that pubic starts hitting those walls and it causes the bladder to bleed and to get infected and all that. Showing what happens to the bone density because now they cannot wait bare. Right. So how it, you know, they're more fragile and, and they, they can, you know, they, they can fracture. Right. We're going to continue on this vein uh, when we return. Uh, this is Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and we are on podclips.io. Uh, when we return, we'll talk about how to use experts and uh, how to prepare your client. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and my guest is Myra Fornos, and we are chatting about catastrophic injuries. Uh, when we broke, uh, we were 
talking about uh, the presentation that would that would be most effective to make and to get into not just a day in the life, but the day in the future life. As you were explaining that, I was thinking that, wow, you really need to find some pretty good experts to put this stuff together. Uh, can you comment on the, the use of experts in mediation? Right, right. Uh, Lennon, as we know that um, although experts are not needed in every case, in catastrophic injury cases, they are essential, um, especially to come into a mediation, because these types of cases usually involve disputes uh, that will require multiple, the retention of multiple experts in a variety of fields. It's not going to be just your medical experts or your liability experts. Yes, you're going to have your liability experts. Uh, you're going to need your accident recon if liability is at issue, but biomechanics to explain the injury of your client. But you're also going to need life care planners. Those are essential um, in putting up the damages of your case. And also financial experts and experts that deal with settlement planning. Um, those are very important experts because they can guide during a mediation, you know, uh, the settlement, how the settlement can be paid off, uh, structured settlements and the like, special needs trust, and also uh, the settlement transactions in these types of cases are very complicated sometimes. And a lot of times you have to make sure that your client is protected um, uh, to continue to be eligible for, for instance, for governmental um, benefits such as Medicare, Medi-Cal, and IHSS. So these experts come to the mediation at no cost. And they, I'm not talking about the medical experts here, liability experts, but the financial settlement uh, experts, um, they come and they help put a settlement package together that can make everyone's life easier. And they come up with a lot of uh, uh, solutions of how to best address the payouts so that both sides, so it benefits uh, both sides mutually. And and so exp uh, the sharing of the of the information it sounds like is absolutely critical to uh, th there's no hide the ball and um, we're, we're gonna we're going to uh, keep things hidden uh, for trial and save them for trial uh, when you're dealing with a catastrophic injury case. And you can't do that. You can't hide the ball in these types of cases because the risks are phenomenal, phenomenal for both sides. I mean, uh, you can get defensed after putting years and years and money into a, into this type of case for the plaintiff's counsel. And and defense, you know, may, be, may find that there's a runaway jury that just, boom, just gets so upset at the injury and how it happens that not only do they, is, is the amount that is awarded uh, the value of the case, but much, 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 much higher in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. So it behooves both sides to uh, lay everything on the table, cards, you know, on their table, and to just work together and to corroborate and to see how this case can be settled because it's just not worth taking these cases to trial. I mean, sometimes some cases do need to go to trial. I'm not saying that they all fit in this category, 
but um, it's very, very risky to take these cases to trial. And, and how do you prepare your client for the mediation process? Well, again, we kind of touched on this earlier, and that is that they need to understand that the mediation process is not representing them at a hearing or in trial or litigating the case uh, where you, again, put on your boxing gloves, that this is a different type of advocacy. And you explain that to them that so that they may not think of you as being soft by just being, you know, collaborating with the other side, that they know that this is a requirement for a successful mediation, that there's going to be concessions and that there's going to be a give and take and that they're not going to walk out with everything they want. And but at the same time, they can walk out with peace of mind and to moving forward with their lives and focusing on the future instead of the anxiety and the unknown in these types of cases that can happen. And, and one of the things that that they, I think, have to understand uh, is you're you are there as their advocate, but being their advocate is different in court than it is in a mediation. Mediation, we're trying, the parties are trying to persuade each other to see the case from the other's perspective. And uh, and I think you, you may have put in, in your article I referred to earlier, uh, is getting the defense to see things through different lenses. Um, what are, are the, the most effective ways uh, the things that you have talked about, the day in the future life video, for example, um, are there other ways to get the defense to see things differently? Uh, yes, I believe so. I believe that it is very important. And I know defense counsel and adjusters, especially adjusters are so overwhelmed with the load that they have, that they carry, that they may not have the time to really dive into really understanding the injury and the consequences of these injuries and, and future injuries that result from the original injury. So to really learn the injury, to learn it inside out, there are so many, so many resources for this that are so easy to navigate. For instance, the, um, the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is amazing at the information that it gives you on what happens to a person when they are injured in this particular way, not only for spinal cord injury, but for traumatic brain injury as well. Also, there is uh, for loss of injury, amplitude.com. Amplitude.com uh, deals with what happens to individuals that have a loss of limb and you know what happens to those limbs, what happens to those phantom pains. It, it is remarkable to really go into the mediation knowing the injury well. Also, I, you know, in California, we don't do a lot of joint sessions, but I do believe that it is very beneficial, even if it's for a few minutes, for the adjuster and for defense counsel to meet the plaintiff, not at a deposition setting, uh, which is adversarial, but as a person, to look at the person in the eye, to see, ask question, what are you going through? You know, see them as a person and how it's affected their lives. I think it's very important to put a face to the case. And also, this is great that you asked me this question, Abilities Expo. 
uh, is uh, an expo, the largest in the country, maybe even in, 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 in the world. And it, it goes throughout the states, you know, the major states in this country. And I've been involved in, I remember many years ago, many, many years ago, um, I was asked to come and set up a booth there for free because there was the owners were overwhelmed with all the questions of all this, these people who had been injured, and they didn't know how to answer, would I give pro bono advice? Well, it's turned out that I've never left. And so I have spoken at these expos, but I recommend every plaintiff and, a, and defense counsel and adjuster dealing with a catastrophic injury case to go there. They're actually gonna be there March 5th, 6th, and 7th this weekend at the LA Convention. Every product, every service is there. They can see, even in a life estate, if I can go a little further with this, because I think this is important, Len. Yeah. Um, in, in, it, it, you, you see in life care planning that sometimes they list so many things there, and I have seen um, life care plans that are requesting for things that are inappropriate for the client because they just don't do their homework. They don't. And so defense counsel can go and adjusters can go to Abilities Expo and learn what the client really needs and why. And actually look at this equipment, look at these services, look at these products, and even negotiate on, on instead of this wheelchair, let us give you this wheelchair that does the same thing. Um, but uh, I really encourage people to go there and to learn about not only the injury, but also, you know, the services and the products that they need. Well, th thank you. Uh, that, that's, that's great, great advice. And uh, we're going to take a break now. And when we get back, uh, we are going to be talking uh, about the storytelling in, uh, in the catastrophic injury mediation. And also, I want to touch on how the defense should approach a catastrophic injury mediation. We'll be back soon. This is Len Levy. We're on podclips.io, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org, is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online, making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.nadn.org. Dot org today. Welcome back to Masters of Dispute Resolution. I'm Len Levy and my guest is Myra Fornos. Uh, in our last segment, uh, we were talking about uh, a number of things and one was the use of joint sessions uh, in 
a number of cases, including one I mediated yesterday, getting a buy-in for a joint session is uh, can be challenging uh, in, in California. Uh, in other jurisdictions, people regularly use uh, joint sessions, but uh, in California, it, it's almost like a it's almost like treated like a, a, a dirty word. So um, can you comment on that, Myra? Yeah, and you know, and that's too bad because um, I think most lawyers are very civil to each other most of the time. And I think um, when you come in and if the mediator can really instruct them to, you know, let their guards not to come in you know, with such a strong position, but just to listen, listen to each other, listen to each other, to each other's perspective on the case. To, to problem the solve, Pro yeah. problem solve. That's right. And to the needs of each other. We are looking for a mutual beneficial solution. And I, I think when the parties sometimes meet, and a lot of times it's not good for to have them in the same room for a long time, but like I said, just to meet each other, to see themselves as human beings who are trying to resolve a dispute, a very tragic and sad dispute, that sometimes those joint mediations work for that purpose. And again, just for a short period of time. And uh, so a lot of times it, it's good to ask counsel, do you want to, you know, or, or the client, is it okay? Do you feel okay to meet? Now, with all that being said, when you uh, mentioned how is it best for defense counsel to approach a mediation dealing with a catastrophic injury, I, I many times because of the voluminous cases, it's hard to put a face again to the, to, to the case, but it's important to do so. And these individuals who have been newly injured, from one day to the next, they may have been walking, they may have been on the top of their academia with the, you know, just amazing intelligence, and all of a sudden, they have either a brain injury or they can't walk anymore. And they may have been avid sports, um, they used to love sports and ski and this and that, and now they can't do anything. It's tragic, it's very difficult for them to adjust to that new lifestyle. And I think it's important for defense counsel to come in really trying to understand that, to open their hearts to really understand um, what that means to a human being. What happens if this would happen to your brother or sister or mother or spouse? How, how, do, you, how do you create the atmosphere that, that yeah, look, and, and I'm, not, I'm not going to denigrate one side or the other, um, but but sometimes people get very very busy, and uh, they, uh, as you mentioned, uh, they have hundreds of cases, and and it's it's difficult to uh, for for some to gather up the uh, the empathy that that you would want them to have if you're plaintiff's counsel. Um, what would you suggest that plaintiff's counsel do? to make it easier for them to, um, to be empathetic on the defense side? Uh, again, I think that maybe early on exchanging videos or even maybe at the mediation and maybe too late, you know, because already their minds are, they can't digest it as, as much. I would suggest that they bring a video 
but also maybe just having the person just talk about how it's affected their life. Not just like, again, not in a deposition setting, but in a raw setting. And, and you know, Deborah Chang has an amazing uh, concept of putting videos together. Um, and it, it's just phenomenal. But I don't think she has dealt with this type of, of scenario. And I think it should be done. It should be done where maybe there's like an, I, through videos really showing how, like, like the future life, how this person, what this person enjoyed and how he navigated life and now how he has to navigate the rest of his life. And it's telling it's telling the story and and getting someone to appreciate the story uh and 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 it's and it's a life story it's a real story it's not fiction and that's right and you know um in the pain and suffering category loss of enjoyment of life is something that should be stressed upon here how is a person explaining to the adjuster and to defense counsel how they're going to how their enjoyment for, to life has been diminished, not just a little bit, but substantially. And on the other hand, I have to say, um, I learned something or two from a, a very, very prominent defense counsel that's now one of our mediators. And I said, how do, you, how do you defend that when someone comes up with that story? And he said, you know, Myra, I am an optimist and I always look for the bright side and I always show Yes, they can't do this anymore, but they can do that. And I show the hope of what this person can still accomplish in their life. And for example, in my own personal situation, my late husband became a lawyer after becoming a quad and he lived a full life. So this is something that defense can play on. I don't like saying that, right? But it's mm -hmm. true, okay? And so you work with both sides as to how they can come to the middle and 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 just get this off their 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 desks. Well, one of the one of the things that uh, that we deal with uh, all the time is the approach that you're going to take in a mediation, and uh, do different types of catastrophic injuries require or suggest different approaches? Um, I believe so. And I believe it's across the board, any type of mediation, you know, where uh, normally you, as a mediator, you are neutral and you're there to facilitate uh, a resolution. But many times counsel may ask you to evaluate the case and, uh, or maybe not evaluate, but to give suggestions of what we feel would be best for them, how best for them to resolve it. And so there are times that I, I do put the evaluative hat on and, and because sometimes they're not aware of certain things that I am aware and that could help them. Um, and I have found that works and that counsel is very appreciative, but you have to be careful because you are a neutral and you cannot go that route. Can, can you give an, an example of those types of things that counsel um, on either side may not be aware of that uh, will help them uh, in, in approaching the case? Well, let, let's take a, a plaintiff's 
plaintiff's case, I was in a situation once where the plaintiff came in asking for an astronomical amount of money and uh, the defense countered with a, a low uh, uh, offer, but still within a reasonable range, right? I mean, it, there was so much room to dance, that dance, and to negotiate and to bargain and to, and the plaintiff dug their heels and was so offended, became angry and walked out. So it was like, really, you, this could, anyway, it ended up defense counsel got defensed. So what a, a lost opportunity that later defense counsel says, we were ready to increase it substantially, but not from the get-go, that's inexperience. So a lot of times I think it's important when you see someone that doesn't have the experience or is unaware of certain things that you can be more persuasive and evaluative towards the case. Right. And the the fact of being uh, evaluative is is something that uh, is really an art form. I mean, you've you've mediated those cases both from a, the perspective of counsel and the perspective of a neutral, and and so using the the art form to what degree and to to and and how can the attorneys most effectively use you as a mediator? Uh, okay, that's like a loaded question, but um, all right, Len, repeat that question again. I'm sorry, I kind of lost okay, it. How, how can the attorneys most effectively use you with your background and expertise in handling these types of cases. Okay, I, I get it now. So I, I think that in these situations, it's very good to have a pre-mediation conference call because a lot of times a lot um, can be taken care of at those pre-mediation calls as to whether they're having problems with their clients and how I can see best to kind of diffuse that or some stumbling block. Uh, from either side uh, of having a successful settlement and because they may not be aware of certain intricacies involving the catastrophic injury or the limits on let's say policies so a lot of times I think um, I, I can answer questions a lot of questions about the different types of injuries and and the damages and and you know actuarial how long are are their clients going to live how much treatment are they going to need how many medical procedures do you know it, is it possible for them to have how what's the loss of earning capacity that so a lot many times counsel even though they have experts on each side telling them this and that they don't really know why and I think that I can really very effectively explain to them the whys of just reading an expert report where no, yes, this, that, I can explain the whys. And, and so using, using your expertise, um, when you mediate a case, uh, look, well, one of the things as mediators, we don't want to inject ourselves to a greater degree 
then uh, then we then, then that that kind of destroys our, our neutrality. So uh, w- one of the techniques I use is to is to ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm gathering that that's what you do as well. Well, of course, you ask the questions because based on the questions they ask, you answer them, and you you know just very gracefully nudge them um, just to help with the settlement process without taking sides with staying neutral but nudging them with maybe educating them on a topic that they may not be aware of right well mara this this has been a fascinating conversation and unfortunately we're at the we're at the end of our time um and but as we wrap up how can listeners contact you to learn more well, I am a neutral for ADR Services, Inc. And my email is mfornos at adrservices.com. Thank you, Myra. And thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, I hope you'll be back as a guest in the future. And um, thank you, Daryl Wayne. I appreciate your engineering skills. I'm Len Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on Podclips. .io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. And in the meantime, until we next have a podcast, stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, Telephone him at 818-903-5562 or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600. Mayor Fornos can be reached on her cell phone at 310-780-3529, 310-780-3529. Her case manager is Chelsea Mangel. Chelsea's number is 310-201-0010.